This is the Five Point Play Podcast, the diehard Duke basketball fans podcast. Never thought we'd actually be back this season. <laughs> I never thought Duke basketball would be back after the season. Yeah. Uh, you know, we come up, we play, we play Notre Dame a month ago on December 16th. We were getting ready for a couple ACC games, and then those go dark. Uh, the Garner Web obviously didn't get rescheduled. Uh, and then the next time you see us, it is for an ACC game after the turn of the year. Happy New Year, everybody. Um, AC, we've had now four ACC games. You know, after the Notre Dame game, we played BC, one, played Way Forest, one. And then we go to your Virginia Tech Hokies and, <laughs> and lose a game. But uh, let's take it over, Arch. We're not going to go game by game. Because sure. um, that's just going to take too long. And it's just it's just been uh, – we, we've tried this setup recording multiple times throughout this period. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you've got it, it's much like this season where it's very disjointed. We don't know what the hell is going to happen next. Um, I hope that we're getting toward uh, a little bit of normalcy. But the reality is is that there's nothing normal about this Duke team. And yeah. that's really where we want to kick things off. This last four-game stretch, AC – Starting with Notre Dame, what mm-hmm. have you noticed in these four games? Uh, it's hard to notice anything because it's just been so disjointed. And that's how the team has played. The team has played – they've mirrored exactly how the season has gone, quite honestly. Like, you can tell we've had hiatuses. You can tell that we don't know what's going to happen next. Like, it, it's just it, – it's we are playing exactly as the season is progressing. And honestly, we can't do that. Like, if this team – and we'll get into tourney talk later. If this team wants to make the tournament, they have to show some kind of backbone and and just play, man. And the coaching staff is going to have to do the same thing. The staff, I, I, I'm a lot of this, I'm going to end up, you know, the, a lot of the blame has to go to the coaching staff at the moment because this is a difficult situation to navigate through, understandably so. And you're dealing with a very young team. I think we've brought the set up in the past that this team has only returned 18 points from postseason play, ACC and NCAA tournament. And those points belong to Joey Baker, Jordan Goldwire, and Mike Buckmeyer. So there's there's zero experience on the squad. So at that point, it is the onus is on the coaching staff to develop a plan, develop this team, and live and die with certain consequences. And we've, we've seen recently that Kay said he's changing the offense from what he was running before to a more the more kind of Duke traditional one out of uh, one end, four out and some other motion type things. He, he mentioned that himself. So it's going to take a couple games to let that kind of sink in for these guys. So we'll see if that helps make a positive change in this offense. But at the moment, man, it just doesn't seem like there's much of a plan. And it's almost like, hey, this season is kind of shot, and here's what we're going with. I, I don't know, man. Yeah, the, uh, you know, let's start with the positives. You know, okay. in the last four games, let's start with the positives. The positives are uh, Matthew Hurt seems to be a guy that you yeah. can count on. He will, he will be uh, our leading scorer throughout the season. He's got more Absolutely. rebounds than we thought. But maybe that's – this team's actually become a, a slightly better rebounding team than I anticipated. Yeah. Um, a lot of that – I think DJ Stewart's a solid rebounder. He's a big part of that, um, yeah. You know, you know, big part of it. And so, that, so, so those are good things. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in the Notre Dame game, we surprisingly shot well from deep. You know, we, we were 8 of 15 from three. Um you know, one thing about this team is is that they're very streaky. I understand that. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. Matt Hurt can get a roll, and sometimes DJ can. Um, you know, talking about just the shooting overall, though, one thing that I, I want to really try to understand is 
why are we not running more plays for Joey Baker in terms a, of trying to get him shots? So let's talk about that VT game for a second then. Yeah, I know you want to bring up the positives. <laughs> but yeah, but well, but the tech game is a it's a great example of that because I noticed this, I went nuts about this. Yeah. Like just at home I was screaming at the TV, which I haven't done in a long time for any kind of college basketball game. It you know, I was I was furious because I'm watching Tech put Jalen Cohn, who is arguably one of their worst defenders, on Joey Baker. And then they had him in help situation. They had him sagging off of Joey Baker deep into the lane to help any kind of penetration. And they were just totally willing to let Joey catch and shoot. Like that was something they were absolutely willing to do. And ask me how many times Joey Baker shot the ball in the second half when he came in against Tech. Please ask me. How many times did he shoot? Zero. You know, you know who took shots when Joey when Joey came in here. I'm gonna read down. This is going. I'm not skipping around. This is going straight down the score summary for Duke against Virginia Tech, starting around the 12 minute mark. Ready? Wendell Moore missed three pointer. Jordan Goldwire missed three pointer. Uh, DJ Stewart missed three pointer. Somebody you want shooting, but you know, so be it. And Jeremy Roach missed three pointer. Okay, I'm cool with him shooting. DJ Stewart missed three pointer. Jamin Brakefield missed three pointer. We'll talk about Jamin in a minute because his shooting has, has started to kind of slip, and I was wondering about that. Jeremy Roach, Wendell Moore, DJ Stewart, uh, Jordan Goldwire, Jordan Goldwire, Jordan Goldwire missed layup. <laughs> like, seriously, dude. Like, and that's just up to the five minute mark. We're not even talking about the end of the game where Duke missed another subsequent seven straight free throws, three pointers. So we're like, the right guys aren't shooting the ball in the right situations because that moment when I read that off when Joey Baker's in the game, we were only down by one point right after a Joey Baker block. Joey came in and gave us some really solid defensive minutes against Virginia Tech. And it was almost like he was playing the Jordan Goldwire role and Jordan Goldwire was trying to be the scorer. Like, I, I get it. He is the senior. He's the older guy. Maybe he's putting some responsibility on himself. Maybe Kay's putting some responsibility on him. I don't know. But we aren't going to see the light of day when it comes to winning basketball games if he's going to be the guy taking the majority of our shots down the stretch of games because he took the majority of our shots down the stretch of games, he and Wendell. That is not a recipe for success. I'm sorry. It's just not. It's not who he is. It's not who he's supposed to be. Yeah, you know, I, I'm usually the the last person that's going to start questioning um, the, the coaching in terms of I'm not at practice. I don't see what's going on. But mm -hmm. I, I, I can tell you that this team has absolutely nothing to lose in terms mm -hmm. of changing things up. And, and you have seen changes in starting lineup. You have mm -hmm. seen changes in game plans. So here's the next one. Um, Joey Baker is a guy that, like you said, he's playing good enough defense. He's making those hustle plays, things that he's always done. Um, and he did that in, in the last few games. He's just not getting shot looks. Now, yes, some of that can be from him not being mm -hmm. aggressive enough on the offensive end. Uh, but I, I don't like to see him just standing around the three-point line, standing in the corners. Hoping well, it's like everybody is standing, you know what I mean? Yeah, it, that, that's just not going to get it done. Yeah. Um, we need to find ways to get him, whether it is coming off the screens, and we haven't really seen if he's capable of being the the, the Curry, the Reddick, the Shire, Luke, sure. type type of guy that can run off the screens, catch and shoot. Um, we haven't – I don't th think that he's a guy that can take it off the dribble and pull off. Um, so we, the, the coaching staff has, has to figure out a way to do it. But my point is, is that this team isn't good enough to say, okay, well, we can't afford to, to, to mess with that right now. Mm -hmm. We have nothing to lose. Yeah. So if he's our best shooter, find ways to 
help spread the floor by getting him looks that will open up driving lane for Roach, Stewart, even Wendell, um, to be able to do that. So, so and if I, I can jump in real quick, what, yeah, what you mentioned yeah. real quick before we move on, what you mentioned, some of those things that you mentioned that you weren't sure if he can or can't do, we haven't seen him do those like realistically consens- consistently enough to do it, but we have seen him do it in spurts. We've seen them run him off screens. We've seen him be able to take the ball off the dribble. We've seen him pull up off fast break situations, and he's been successful right. in all those situations in the past. This season, yeah, he hasn't shot well at all this season. Is that a, is that? But they're true. That it's you know not, it's right? not true. There's such a small sample size. Exactly. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. We can't. We can't say. Right. We can't. We can't say that he's not shooting well right now. We can absolutely say that right. he is. He is talented enough as a shooter and as an offensive player to to try those. Everybody else is trying them. Jordan Goldwire is trying to pull up off, yeah. uh, off the dribble. Wendell Moore is taking step back threes. Why? Like Joey, we know Joey's talented enough as a shooter. That's why he's at Duke. That's why he came to Duke early. That's why the dude was a top thirty recruit in a new class when he reclassified because of his shooting ability. We know he absolutely has that type of talent, and we've seen him this year already. He has shot credibility, like Jay Billis likes to talk about, where he's been he's been very good with the pump fake and move. So he's been able to pump fake and attack the rim a lot. Like, he's attacking the rim a lot better this season. So that's another thing, just one more thing that opens up for him with his shooting ability that teams have to respect. But at the moment, they none of the teams we're playing are respecting Joey Baker on the perimeter because we're not even throwing the ball. Why, exactly. Why, why should they? If, if he's, A, not going to be aggressive enough to, mm-hmm. to take the shots, and, B, we're not going to even look to him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, why, why would you? Um but the, the way I wanted to kind of transition a little bit was to uh, Wendell Moore. Um, okay. You know, so Wendell, it's no surprise that he's struggled all year long, mm-hmm. except for the one game against BC. We don't win yeah. that game without him. He made exactly. clutch shots after clutch shots, mm-hmm. big threes. It, it hilariously started with uh, a banking <laughs> three from the top yeah. of the key. Sometimes yeah. he's just got to see one go in. You know, even he was laughing. Like, the smile know, on his face was great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes that's just how it goes. I remember that that you know that happened with uh, Jack White. Yeah. You know, he just had to see one go in and then you know, start laughing after that that mm-hmm. uh, infamous stretch where he couldn't make a shot for like ten straight games. Um, but then you know he just reverted right back to the 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 other seven games of the of the season where he just he can't get anything to go. He's making just really stupid plays. Um, are we are we saying now that the BC game is just an anomaly and the Wendell Moore that we've seen for the other seven games is who he is? Is that too how, harsh or is that, is that no, too, how could you too not, right? How could you not? Because he's gotten plenty of opportunities. That's the thing about it. He's gotten plenty of chances to to, to once once that game, once the BC game happened in Wake and against Virginia Tech, he got plenty of minutes and plenty of scoring opportunities to to build on what he started with BC and like you said, it was right back to the old and I, I think at this point, yes, I think we need to settle on that. And moving forward, I'm not saying he can't play. I'm not saying that at all. I don't hear what I'm not saying. I, we said it's a start season, and I'm going to keep saying it. His role has to be simplified. He cannot, like, I, I know Kate loves to empower his shooters and stuff. We cannot step back the reason Wendell, it's not our offense. It's not. It can't be. And Jalen Johnson's coming back. and. Like you, he so Jalen's gonna cut into Wendell's time. He's gonna cut into some other guy's time. But the fact that he's coming back, it 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 further moves into the point of Wendell has to be efficient. 
because when he's on the floor, the amount of time he's going to get, he's going to have to be efficient with it. And he's going to have to have to offer us the stuff that really brought us back in the game against BC, which was his defense and his intangibles. Like, yes, he scored and he made some very, very clutch shots against BC. But really what he did was he played exceptional defense on CJ Fuller and Winston Tabs and really shut that kind of the rest of that game down for them where BC was completely inefficient after the second half, after they built that eight point lead. So I like, we've talked about him being that Chris Carwell type and yes, like in terms of the intangibles, I think it's, I think the comparison still stands, but it it can't be as him trying to be Jason Williams, (laughs) like taking threes and, and step backs and and drives that aren't working. That's not, that's not what we need. Yeah, I mean, he's he's playing less minutes this year than he did last year. And if you mm-hmm. would have told us that coming into the season, we would have said you're absolutely crazy or uh, somebody like Brightfield just stepped up so much that you couldn't, right. you had to, you know, you couldn't keep him off the court. Um, okay, so we had a lot, a lot going on in the four games that we played over the last month. You know, three and one, you know, sounds probably better than it, than it really is because, you know, the way we started this, this podcast is how we're going to transition to our second topic, which is what is this team's identity? I have no idea what this team's identity is. I don't think that you do. I don't think the coaching staff knows. I don't think the players know. Certainly that the fans on the message boards don't know what the identity of this team is. Please enlighten me. Give me something I can use. So for this one, like you said, I, we're we're all guessing at this point. I have a feeling the staff is too a little bit. But here's what here's what I would like to see. And we we have some stretches of of stats to back us up a little bit. When this team plays slower, when this team is not running up and down the court, we've been much more efficient. Partially because of Matt Hurt, we've been able to get Matt Hurt the ball more often in in the slower offense spreading the court going to that that four out one in and allowing him to operate on the interior has been a really good thing and i have a feeling that's one of the reasons why we're not seeing solid minutes from you know mark williams or even you know even henry coleman getting on the floor at all i have a feeling that's one of the reasons one of many why those two aren't seeing the floor is to allow matt to be able to operate on the interior so our our point guard is jeremy roach and that's that should be the identity of our team the the one two combo of jeremy roach and matt hurt and once Jalen works back in, I think you can work him into that little three, that little set of three. Jeremy has been very solid. He's been very good at distributing the ball to to the interior for Matt. He's been very good at getting his own offense. He's been very good at, at attacking the middle, drawing defenders, and kicking out to guys like DJ Stewart. Wendell Moore in that BC game was the beneficiary of a lot of Jeremy Roach passes. But like offensively, there's got to be. Yeah, we have to find another score, especially on the perimeter. And we just talked about Joey Baker. Prior to the season, I was betting on Joey being one of our leading scorers, somewhere around 10 or 11 points a game. Here's what I would like to see for this team. I would like to see Joey Baker be a more of an integral part of our offense. I would like to see Jeremy Roach with the ball in his hands 85 to 90% of the time when he's on the floor. The other 10%, you can put it, you can give it to Jalen Johnson. I don't want to see Jordan Goldwire running our offense anymore. I don't. It's not, it hasn't been conducive to good looks for our offense, and it hasn't been conducive to to winning basketball. I want to continue seeing Matt Hurt do what he does. And on the defensive end, even if it's for small stretches, and we saw it 
for two plays against Virginia Tech, and we saw it for one play against Wake Forest. Our size does not have to be a hindrance on this team. Mark and Henry and Tape, when he gets back, can be absolute assist assistance on the floor, for, especially on the defensive end, an area where we have been very terrible, especially to start games. And if this, if we can get, if K can get this team to run a proper zone with those bigs in the back instead of Jeremy Roach on the back line with Wendell Moore and then Matt Hurt in the middle, I think. I really do think that we we can start to slow this thing down and slow teams down a little bit, make them inefficient, and that will allow us to take advantage even more of what it is that we've been able to do well, which is get efficient shots from Matt and Jeremy, and then whoever else is filling in can fill it in. Um, take a couple plays off. Uh, you, you covered a lot there, and I have a, I have a lot that I'm trying to digest, just like yeah. the, uh, the listeners. Um, I think – Starting at the top here, I think that the the biggest positive that we can take away, uh, really from the whole season, uh, the eight games that we played, but certainly the last four, uh, is I am thrilled to death with the way that Jeremy Roach uh, has played. I think mm-hmm. that he has really progressed every single time he's been out there. That doesn't mean he's been perfect, but I love the way he finishes around the rim. I love his composure, the way he plays. I think he's a dog on defense. Um, I think it has been uh, just a real, real blessing the, the, the way that he's progressing. And it gives me, um, you know, for the way he'll continue to improve the rest of the season and then hopefully going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the other thing that I'm, I'm happy with is, uh, is DJ Stewart. Now, DJ makes a lot of mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, DJ Stewart, uh, he is a slasher. He's a scorer. Um, I would like to see, you know, a little bit more consistency, but he's a guy I can live with the mistakes because there are, there are mistakes of trying to be aggressive. So I can live with it. Um, you know, those are things that as he gets older, he will be able to clean up. But for me, and, and this is kind of where I want to start, what I would do going forward is I would start the two guards in the backcourt. I would start Jeremy Roach and DJ Stewart going forward. Um Together, that's that's it. That's what I would do. Um, you mentioned Breakfield when we were kind of going through the, the game recaps. Jamin Breakfield, to me, I think was the the one guy that was really hurt by um, by the fact that we had that that interruption when we were supposed to play Pitt, we were supposed to play FSU uh, before the new year. I think he was the one guy that was hurt uh, by that because he was starting to come into his own, knew what his role was, and, and then all of a sudden it it, it gets you know, pulled off. So what have you noticed about Jame in the last couple of games? So um, I think that he's kind of lost his, his way a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, he, he's not quite as sure of himself on what his role really is. You know, mm-hmm. in the, the, the one consistent has been really Matthew Hurt, you know, from right. game one to game eight, where Matt, you know, knows who he is. He knows he's getting the looks. He knows he's getting the buckets. He can shoot from anywhere. Um, he's 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 done a great job. So to me, we have three pillars right there with Roach, Stewart, and Matthew Hurt. Um, I love starting Brayfield, and then that fourth spot, once Jalen Johnson's ready, start him. So now you, you have the four what, freshmen and Matthew Hurt. That's you know what, what that's I think, what I Jamin, would do forward. Yeah, I think Jamin's missing Jalen. <laughs> like like Jamin, since Jamin kind of came on, he's taking on now teams maybe second best <laughs> second best interior defender or second biggest defender, whatever they got, somebody who can guard the wing. And 
he has not been effective where he was effective, rebounding, helping out offside, getting those easy shots he was getting when he had guys who were playing help against Jalen and Matt. He's not getting that right now because he's getting the guys who are actually in the game to play defense a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I think I think that's right, and I think that's why when Jalen comes back, um, you know, those four um, those four start with 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 her. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's the best the, the best path forward. Um, and then so in terms the of you know you? coming out the. So you gave me four pillars. Uh, who's, who's the fifth guy that you want to see run with this team for us to get a little a little consistency? So I, I gave you my five starters, right? So I have Rose Stewart in the backcourt. Yep, and then I have Jalen when he's ready. Okay. Uh, Jamie Brayfield and Matthew okay. Hurt. I think that, that's so you the, want to the keep starting five. Yeah, I do. I do. Okay. I, I, it's not like he's played poorly. It's just no, we no. got to get him get him going a little bit. And, and I think you're right. Jalen will help him out. Now, now we're talking about the bench, right? So mm-hmm. we've already talked about Joey Baker. So you know how I feel there. I think he needs to be as that six man scoring punch off the bench. This is no different. Be that same player that you were last year. Coaching staff has to do a better job of getting him uh, plays one for him to get him going. So we already talked about that. So now we have Goldwire, Moore, and then and then the big. So let's start with with Goldwire. Um, you know, I I find it it's very difficult for me with Jordan Goldwire because uh, he does have a place on this team, but as we said at the beginning of this year. You cannot be asking someone like Jordan Goldwire to do more than he is capable of doing. Yep. He's like um, he's like Chuck Knobloch, you know, the the old second baseman of the Yankees. That when he has a breakaway layup, he 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 just is he he gets all up in his head, and it doesn't even look natural when he goes up with it. But yet he can you know finish in transition um, when there's bodies around. He can do the floater. There is a place for him on this team. Mm-hmm. But like you said at the end of the Virginia Tech game. He's a guy that, you know, we shouldn't be asking him to, to take shots late. That right. doesn't mean I, you know, don't want him taking shots. It just means that he didn't have it going, and, and that is on the staff that, that, that kept him out there. He wasn't doing anything that was benefiting the team, and he's not one of those guys that, you know, is indispensable. You know, this isn't a Trey Jones situation where his freshman year, you know, Virginia Tech is the threes, and, well – Trade, you're just going to have to take them, man. Jordan Goldberg, we need you out there. Jordan Goldberg, you are not that player. I'm not, I shouldn't be asking you to be that player. That's not fair of me to ask you of doing things that you're not capable of. So, and, in that situation, that's on the staff. They shouldn't have been playing them. Same it, thing with Wendell Moore. And it, well, let me drop Go one ahead. thing in there, too, with Jordan, with Jordan before we get to Wendell. It's, it's hurting his defense. Like, Jordan this year is not the defensive player. He has been in the past. Like he's even that tech game. I don't know if it was fatigue. I don't know if it was frustration and what it was. I mean, he was settling for that for that wraparound steal, letting guys blow by him, and then he's yeah, trying to get wraparound steal that. all game. And that that's not what he that's tip, that's not typical Jordan. You know what I mean? That he is usually that dog who's in front of guys, denying them position, denying their driving angles, and and getting his hands on every single pass that's thrown around him. He's been great with that. But the last two to three games, even BC. Wendell's the one who saved this on defense that game, not Jordan. And Jordan has had some serious trouble defending the ball. And I don't know if that's because he's putting more pressure on himself or the staff is on putting it on him on offense or what, but his defense has definitely suffered. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great point. And, you know, we want him coming off the bench going forward. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe that'll kind of reset his mindset of going into games. Um, you know, readjust. Where look, we're not we're not going to we're going to we're not going to continue asking you to do things that we shouldn't be asking you to do. Just go out there, be your defensive self, and that's it. Um, you know, because he is getting blown by on the perimeter. Um, I can't stand that lazy uh, playground, you know, swinging around from the back. Like, I hate that. That that drives me nuts. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I, I say get, he should be playing 32 and a half minutes a game. That's just, that's just way too many minutes. If he's playing that many minutes, that means we have some serious issues. Again, yeah. I'm not trying to come at him. I'm just saying we need to be more realistic of who he actually is and what we're asking him. Yeah. And so for Wendell, we have to now readjust as a staff, as fans, and him as a player of who he actually is. You know, there is a reason, AC, that when he dropped his 25 or whatever against BC, had that phenomenal game, that he didn't start the very next game. He didn't start the game after that. He wasn't even the first guy off the bench in either of those games. He was the third guy. So the staff is, to me, saying, okay, you know what? Yeah, you might have had that great game, but we need to, again, reevaluate what your role is on this team. You talked so about who you that. are right now, yeah. Um, yeah, and it's like, hey, man, like, you can't be taking – no more step-back threes for you until I can see you finish in the lane, until I can see you convert other ways. If you have more turnovers than you have shot attempts at that point uh, or, bad, or or negative plays, then no, no, no threes for you. You know, we'll take you out. Yeah, I mean, um, he's he got to get the same treatment. Like, Joey, Joey Baker was abandoned last year. Like, he, he he had that small stretch where he started kind of playing some bad games, making those negative plays you're talking about. And then he was he was on the bench. Like, he was sitting, not getting in the games. As, you know, after we had talked about, he, we need him as that guy off the bench to give us threes. And he, he was basically aban- all but abandoned at that point. And the same thing has happened and kind of happened to Joey this year early on. But Wendell's not getting that same treatment. Like, he's still getting a chance to work it out. Yeah, and- th- yeah. Th- yeah, you're right. I mean, they, they're they're treating him like he's you know first team All ACC guy. Yeah. he's not. He was that the expectation? Yes, but he has not played like that, and we can't. We have got to adjust. He's not a guy that has that built up um, equity that right. he has to be out there. It's not you know JJ Redick going through a cold stretch where we're going to continue feeding him because we know what he's capable of. I exactly. don't know that Wendell is capable. I thought he was. But I don't know that he is, and so for those reasons, I'm out. Like mm-hmm. I can't, I can't, you know, trust you. Like, we have, t- we have too many other weaknesses on this team, or we can't afford to let you figure this thing out. Like, yeah. we, we have to figure, we have to figure it out. So the other thing before we move on, though, and I want your input on this because this is one that we don't really talk about enough. The the front court. Yep. Um, I think that the Mark Williams has potential down the road uh, for the next few years. Yep. But he's Casey Sanders 2.0. He's not strong enough. Uh, his hands aren't good enough. Uh, he's out of position. He's thinking way too much. The game's too fast for him. Um, it doesn't mean that he doesn't have, you know, bright spots here or there. But the reality is, is he's not ready. Um, Coleman is a guy that I loved when he took that charge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the only 30 seconds that he played at the first half um, against Wayne Forrest. But, you know... I don't know what to expect from the five spot. You know, Tapay's out. He's hurt. Yep. I don't know that we need these guys for more than a few fouls a game um, this particular year. Unless if, you see something different. 
Not if we're going to play the way we're currently playing. We can't take advantage of the size that we have by continuously having Henry and Mark and Patrick have to guard guys on, on the perimeter because that's what teams are doing. They, they immediately put those guys into switch situations, and, and now you've taken our advantage away from the rim. Mark Williams has an asset because we've talked about roles with this team. Mark has an asset that no one else at Duke has and really like no one outside of Florida State has, and that is his ridiculous wingspan. And like we really – like we can't take advantage of him having to switch out on guys on the perimeter and have to play the overplay that we play. He has to be near the rim. Jim Beheim has made a living out of guys like him who are uncoordinated, can't catch, and, and turning those guys into really valuable players in his system because he's willing to let them play and he, he sticks them in his own. And yeah, I, I bring this up, and I think we've gotten to the point now where it's not passe or almost offensive to bring up that Duke should play zone. And we've seen zone now in two games for very, very small stretches. The personnel we have right now cannot run that zone. But if you are willing to play Henry, if you're willing to play Mark and Patrick and willing to put those guys in zone, I swear, man, that is going to turn the tide on how we play defense and the types of possessions we end up getting on offense, because we do have really talented guys who can move the ball down floor. That was one of our strengths talking about coming in was being able to move the ball and the, the passes we have. And, and then the shooters that we have off of those passes, we can't take advantage of that when, you know, all, all we're doing is watching the ball go through the net. And then we have to inbound and come down and try to run some semblance of an offense, put these guys in the back of a zone, these giants that we have, they don't have to be a detriment to the team. They are a detriment to the team right now because of the way we're playing. They do not have to be that they can absolutely be an asset but we cannot continue to play the way we're playing if that's going to happen. Put them in zone for small stretches and let these guys go to work down low. I don't think we have an identity as as a team, and that is on the coaching staff to figure mm-hmm. out who we're going to be. We have 14 games left, uh, and, and, and that's not including the two games that were canceled in the ACC with Pitt and FSU. We have 14 games left to figure it out. Moving to that, is this – team on the brink of missing the tournament for the first time since Coach K was out with a back injury, uh, even though, just the editor's note, that team when Coach K went out was like 9-3, and three, had just beaten multiple top 25 teams. He wasn't an abandoning team that was, you know, had, had a losing record and wasn't ranked, and so you, you stop listening to the morons and keep doing the Coach K. My back! My neck in my back! Um, but anyway, AC, is this team in danger of missing the tournament for the first time in 26 years? If if things stay the same, if nothing, if absolutely nothing changes, then yeah. If nothing changes, then we win maybe three to four more games, and that's it, call it a season. But if if thing if they are all willing to change, if the players are willing to adapt, if the staff is willing to let some of these guys work through some of the problems, especially the guys they haven't let a chance work through some of the problems who do give us something. If we're able to let that type of thing happen, then yeah. Like currently we are number 92 in the NET rankings. If you're not sure what that is, or you've heard NET for the first time, that's because this year is the first year they're using it. It's the evaluation tool that they're using to select teams for the NCAA tournament. And at the moment we are sitting 92nd. We were 99th in the last, uh, last standings. We were 115 in the initial standings on January 4th. So we are trending in the right direction, right? But we have to help ourselves out because other teams are going to lose. They're going to drop. 
if we can win games, if we can do what we need to do and, and try to muster some quality wins because Louisville coming up, we have Clemson coming up, we have UNC coming up, you know, and we have NC State and UVA coming up and Syracuse and then Louisville again, right? And then North Carolina to end the season. Those are kind of our seven, seven-ish to eight games that we have where we don't have to win every single one of them, but we do have to win, I'd say at least five to to get us some of those quality wins we need to enter the tournament. Absolutely. And then from there, what do we do in the ACC tournament? You know what I mean? That's, that's another factor here. I don't think we're an ACC tournament winning team, but hey, there it goes. And do we reschedule, you know, Florida State? Do we get a chance at them? I don't know. I don't know if they're going to reschedule that game. So that's a, that's a possible quality win or a possible we get our asses beat, quite frankly. So, you know, it, it, we have chances to end the season to move up to that turning spot. We got to do something about it, though. You know, let's, let's just, for the sake of argument, say that they're not going to play those two games that we missed in the ACC. Sure. So that means we have four, we have 14 opportunities. The good yeah. news and bad news is the same, is that the ACC is not very good this year. Right. So the good news about that is that every game should realistically be one that we could potentially win. The mm-hmm. bad news is is that outside of a couple who you know haven't really lost yet uh, in, in ways that are going to drop their ranking, mm-hmm. we're not going to have a lot of opportunities for signature wins Right. Um, that are going to help us out. And those so are big with the NET, right? Five and three, three. Yeah, exactly. And so like, we're, we're sitting here at five and three. We got the two games you know, coming up this week, one of which is against Louisville, who's uh, ranked 16th, right? In my mind, we have to win both of those games. Um, have we have to go in, in, in those 14 games. Um, we can't go any worse than 10 and four. Nope. Because no. you know, that, that, puts us in, that puts us in 15 and seven, and we don't have any other opportunities. 15 Correct. and 7. And that doesn't give us any more opportunities. So, uh, except for the ACC tournament, which I agree with you, I don't think we have a chance of winning. It, you know, if we're being very realistic with ourselves, the chances of us making the tournament are 50 50. And I think that that's being generous as of right. today, as, I, as of, you know, um, the, the January 17th. So I, I think it might even be 60 40 and us not making it at the moment. So at this point, the, the best teams that we've played, win or lose, that we've played, Clem- or are about to play, Clemson's 15th in the NET at the moment. Louisville's 25th in the NET at the moment. Uh, Virginia Tech is 34th in the NET at the moment. So, at, like, right now, the, the ACC is hurting and helping us because we do have – there's some quality there for us to, to, win, to, to win some games to move us up, and there's also some quality there with our losses that, you know, have kind of kept us afloat right there at that 90 range or whatever, if you can call that afloat even. These are games – like you said, we those are games you have you have to win. Like if you want to make the tournament, you got to win them. That's bottom line. You have to sack time to sack up and and win some games because at this point it's just it's not working, man. And again, like this is I, it's hard to say it's the staff's fault, but I I really you I have to you have to put it on the staff, man. They haven't put no 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 no. I, I, yes, a lot of we've already. We've already regurgitated a lot yeah, of stuff yeah. that we feel the staff needs to do. But let's be honest here. This sure. is not anywhere near the talent, most talented team that we've had. No, uh, it's not. In, in quite some time. And I think, <laughs> you know, you said, uh, like, look, you and I have said uh, offline, uh, this team reminds us of, you know, that, that 96, 97 team, um, you know, the 
the, the 95, 96 team, uh, the, the Paulus, McRoberts team, the year after JJ, and, and Sheldon right. left in 2007. And this team is not good. So no, not. Uh, we are very, we are, the ceiling is extremely low, and the floor is right next to it. You know, this, 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 uh, the, the point the I'm making. Right. The point I'm making, you're exactly right. The talent's not there, which is why uh, that's that's more to the point of the staff has to do something like, hey, I'm sorry. At this, in, at this juncture, we're not we can't do a complete overhaul. It's too late in the season. We only have 14 games left. All right. So we're not going to get the practices yeah. we need. K is not even with the team half the time. He's t- he's coaching from a computer screen for a lot of it. So at this right. point, there is there is a with with a team that is not talented, like you're saying, what is the next step? Because there's plenty of non-talented teams that get into the tournament. There has to be something that changes with what we do because the things that we're doing are for a more talented team and it's not working. Like the 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 places yeah. that these guys are being placed, it's not working. We talked about Wendell. Like you said, we regurgitated all this, so we're not going to go through it again. But it's not working what we're doing for Wendell. It's not working what we're doing for Jordan Goldwire. It's not working what we're doing for Jamin Brakefield. It wasn't working for what we were doing for Jalen Johnson. All right? So, yes, that – and so, yes, the players take blame because they play, but the staff is a part of it, a large part of it. And when you have a team that inexperienced, you have to you have to hold their hand a little bit, and their their hands aren't being held. Like Hey is trying to put them into positions to make them better and better men, and all the things that he does. But I mean, if we want to make the tournament, we have to change what we do. That's that's kind of my point. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. I think it's fifty fifty. That's 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 all I'm saying. Um, mm-hmm. But. Play. In that vein, next year we do have some serious, serious talent coming in, and that's if we add nobody else. So let's talk about 21-22. We know AJ Griffin's coming in. We know mm-hmm. your boy Paolo Bancaro is coming Bancaro, in. Yeah. Um, and so we we have talked about it ad nauseum uh, with Keels and Baldwin. We're not going to predict what's going to happen. But I do want to talk about we have to reevaluate now who's mm-hmm. coming, who's 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 staying and who's leaving? Yep. Um, obviously, in terms of going to the league, uh, this is not this is not supposed to be a beat up on Wendell Moore type of podcast. But he's not going to the NBA. No, no, <laughs> so, I think that, that, so unless he transfers, I think he'll be back. Mm-hmm. Um, I was fifty fifty on uh, Brightfield going just because of who was coming in. I think that he may come back, even given his age and, and, and stuff like that. I still think he will potentially come back. Um, DJ Stewart, I think, should come back. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Roach still will come back. Mm-hmm. I think the only one that we know is leaving is, is Matthew Hurt. Now, yeah. do you see anybody transferring? Let's just talk about departures first. Do you sure. see anybody transferring? Do you see anybody additionally other than Matthew Hurt leaving to go pro? Not, not including Jalen right. Johnson, obviously. Right, right. Uh, how we end the season is going to be a big factor in that. Like, if if Joey Baker continues to have to sit or not get looks on the offense, and know that he has, he he feasibly has two years left because he has that gift year from the NCAA. Yeah, I, I could see that as a potential transfer if he does not become an integral part of this team yet again. Like the red shirt was burned, then you thought he was making headway last year and he was abandoned, and then kind of the same things happening to him this year. So. That that's one I could see. I could see a potential departure there with Joey Baker, especially because he has two years left. Jordan has been Jordan Goldwire has the extra gift year. He's been up in the air as to whether or not he wants to come back and do it all over again. I don't blame him for not wanting to play again, but if he wants to to go after a grad degree or something, you could see him stay. 
And then the other big question, honestly, for me is Jamin. Because uh, like you said, Jalen and Matt are gone. With Jamin, older player, how, and, and it, that's that Cassius Stanley situation. However, Cassius had proof that he was a, a good player and good enough for the NBA. And he also had a, a scout and agent father. Jamin doesn't have that same luxury at the moment. So what what is he going to be able what is what is his family going to hear about his stock and and what is the staff going to help him with when when it comes time to make that decision and can he improve upon that next year being a one year older does he still have the same desire from the NBA for that type of player I think he does I think what he does is good enough for him to be 21 22 years old and still be a lottery pick because he has the size to be a good shooter he has the great energy he has solid athleticism but there are parts of his game, especially strength-wise and athletically, that need to get better, and his shot needs to become consistent. Like, it's going to be hard for him to find an NBA roster. He's going to be living in the G League for a little bit if he goes after this year, in my opinion, because I think he has some hitches in his game that don't translate to the next level very well. He's got a slow shot, and we've seen it now. When he gets better defenders on him, he's not quite as adept as a shooter. Now he showed us some great things in that Virginia Tech game of him working on the baseline, some of those spin moves he was putting on, some of the the ways he attacks. His handle is a lot better than I thought it was. So that's going to be a big factor for him as well. But it would be nice to see him come back one more season. But if we're getting guys like Patrick Baldwin in, you have AJ Griffin, you have Paulo Boncaro. It's I mean obviously a sophomore Jamin's going to see the floor. It's just that's a lot of the same guys on the same team. And so I don't know if everybody gets maximized at that point. So we might see him just take off after the season because he knows what's coming in. Yeah, I think that he's the only one I'm not 100% sure. Mm-hmm. I think you hit the nail on the head with uh, Joey Baker. So Joey Baker knows he's looking at. So let's talk about them real quickly. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it. Sure, sure. Heels, does he look at Joey Baker and say, I'm just going to wait to see what happens here? I think so because that's his spot. Yeah. That's his spot coming off the bench, perimeter player, perimeter oriented player. That's, I mean, Trevor is looking squarely at that spot. I think between Joey and DJ, I think if one came back, then Trevor wouldn't be worried too worried about that. But if both guys are coming back, who knows? Maybe Keel sees that Joey is not somebody who is to be, he's not to be afraid of Joey because clearly Joey can't see the floor. So he sees that as, you know what, I'm going to come in and just take his spot. Who knows? But yeah, that Trevor is definitely at the moment the, kind of the up in the air who stays, who goes. Cause Patrick Baldwin comes in and takes whatever spot he wants. Like that's just kind of how that goes. There's nobody ahead of him on this yeah. current roster yeah, right. outside of Matt hurt and he's going to be gone. So like that, like Patrick knows, he knows what his situation is coming in here. His decision is, does he want to play for his dad for a year? I think Trevor's decision well, is a little tougher. Yeah. yeah. The Baldwin thing is an, is, is an easy one. Yeah. Uh, do you want to help your dad out for a year, or do you want to help your brand? I mean, that's right. simple. Um, so let's talk about let's talk about uh, potentially the starting lineup for next year. Um, Roach, Stewart, Griffin, mm-hmm. Boncaro. Who fills? I mean, do you see Baldwin coming, um, or do you see Mark Williams, something like that, stepping up finally to be able to anchor that fifth spot, or do you see Wendell, you know, having a good off season? retooling his game and being finally that Chris Carroll that we need. What do you kind of see in that, that fifth spot? Let's pretend two things. One, that we don't get Baldwin, um, in which case, you know, it's very disappointing, but let's pretend that, that, that he goes with his dad. And then the other one is he comes. If he comes, we know he's starting. Yeah. So if he doesn't come, who's going to fill that fifth spot? 
if he doesn't come here, then I think you're right. I think you see Wendell take that fifth spot. I, I don't see the big guys doing enough to end the season for K to be like, okay, one of you guys is going to start for us. So I, I think you see Paulo in that that kind of five spot, and then AJ and Wendell and then DJ and Roach. It's a very small starting five, but I think that's kind of more likely what we're we're going to see. That it's not ideal, that's for sure. Um, or if Jamin comes back, if Jamin's here, then maybe Jamin is in that fifth spot there. But uh, but yeah, with yeah. no no Patrick Baldwin. I think you. I think that's what you see. I think you see a, a kind of that smaller group un- until the bigs can prove that they're they're worthy for for minutes. And if Baldwin comes, then he starts at whatever place he wants to start at, and then we we work the lineup around him. The three those Baldwin, Boncaro, and Griffin are starters. For any team in college basketball, they come in, into college basketball as starters. 100% of the teams in college basketball. There's not a single team that has the talent that those guys offer. The only, the only teams they do are in the NBA. So that, that, yeah. that is as simple as that. Um, I do want to end this on a positive note. I do think, and I want to get your take on this real quick. Um, if Stewart and Roach are both back next year, starting for Duke, mm-hmm. will that be the best court in the country, at least one of them? Oh, easy. It's not even, that's not a question. Those two already do, as freshmen, they already do insanely intangible things. Like DJ's rebounding is is ridiculous. His his defense is a lot better than people wanted to give him credit for. And it was, it was something that was already mentioned as a strength for him anyway. He is a great player intangibly, and he can easily put up 20 to 25 points on somebody, you know, in a stretch because of what he does on the court, the, the scoring ability he has. The one thing I want to see him improve with is moving off the ball. That's something different for a different time. Jeremy obviously is our starting point guard now, and he's our starting point guard for the future because, yeah, he's not he's not going to the league this year. He shouldn't, at least. Anyway, I, I don't see the NBA being like, yeah, we want you up here yet. But he's absolutely yeah. somebody who is he, – he can become a legend in college basketball because, like, that Cassius Winston type that you're going to get sick of hearing about him because of what he does. He's he's on he's the top program and he's gonna be on TV all the time and he is just that he's that I he reminds us of the old school basketball point guard of getting down and dirty playing defense scoring the ball all you know assists all that stuff he has great vision all those things so he's he's there man he's already there and I'm I'm very happy with what Jeremy has done especially coming off the injury and everything else like he's what a what a season he's had so yeah those two. I, you tell me who's what's a better backcourt than those two coming back next year. I <laughs> I can't figure it yeah, out. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and, and I agree, and I, I I have been you know banging my head against the wall to anybody that will listen to me um, that this year has always been to me about too ready for next year. Yeah, you know, it's a filler, it, and that, that that is why getting all the experience they can get now. Yep, because you have to learn how to drive that kind of that kind of automobile. Yeah. You know, this is, you know, a pickup truck that they're trying to drive right now. We want you to be able to drive a $600,000 automobile that your father is not going to let you get in 100, within 100 feet of. Like, <laughs> that's the kind of thing we're talking about here. Yeah. Let them learn how to drive. Let them learn how to do all this stuff. Because next year, just stay along for the ride. That's mm-hmm. all I'm saying. That's why. All right. But we do have, we have two games coming out this week, apparently. Uh, you just never know, so that's why we've been kind of staying away from so many predictions because within 24 hours, you know, a game could be postponed. So who the hell knows? But we're allegedly going to play Pitt Tuesday night 9 p.m. I hate the 9 p.m. against Louisville. AC, real quick, Pitt, what do we got? 
Uh, so, you know, they're, they're kind of like us. They're in the same boat. They, they only have two losses. They are a, they're a solid experience type of team. You know, Pitt is coming with, you know, they're, they're, they're coming with the physicality. Like they're, they're going to be hitting us. They're going to be pushing us around a little bit. And they, they have some strong guards, which is a problem for us. We have not been able to deal with teams that have strong guards. And, and that this is what Pitt offers. Capel knows what we run. He knows our system. So, I mean, this is going to be an adventure. Like, it's going to be a tough game. And this is one of those games that's really important for us to win because as of right now, Pitt's ahead of us in the NET. So let's just get down and dirty. Like, what can we force them to do that maybe they're not so good with? And at the moment... Pitt is shooting as a team, they're shooting 30% from three. I don't want to keep banging this drum because it's going to sound like a broken record and it's going to make, I'm going to sound like an idiot when it doesn't happen, but how do you not make this team sit and, in a, and play his own? Like, how do you not make Pitt play, his own, play against his own? Force them to be the bad shooters that they are. They can't take advantage of the solid rebounding that they offer. And let's get out of there with a win, man. Like that's, it's as simple as that. Like, Let's make them make the mistakes on offense and then let us take advantage of that because we have a little bit of size over them. Matt's going to be able to do what Matt does. And I don't know if this is the game that Jalen comes back fully or if they're just going to half integrate him like they did against Virginia Tech. I'm not sure. He's had this week layoff now. So this might be the game that you see him come back in full. And if it is, and if Jalen comes back as good Jalen, like the Jalen we saw in that first game, I, I, I'm, I'm happy and happy enough to say I think we win this game. Uh, without Jalen, it's going to be tough. I think without Jalen, you see a closer game. So I'm going to give you two score predictions for this game. I'm going to give you the with Jalen, without. With Jalen, I think we win this game 76 to 70. 76 to 70. I'll give you a six-point win. No Jalen, I think we are in trouble a little bit. I think we end up losing this game 69 to 72. Yeah, it's, it, we, that's another thing. We, we can't continue to get off to these atrocious starts yeah. in the first half because this team's not good enough right. to, to – I mean, I know that we've done it a couple of times, one against Virginia Tech where we just couldn't get over the hump, but we got to stop doing that. We're not good enough to come out of the gates and give up a 10- to 15-point you know, deficit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd like to see that happen. Um, I don't know what to expect from this team, so I'm just going to continue to expect nothing. I don't know what our identity is. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know if Jalen Johnson's going to play. I don't know what Jalen Johnson's going to play if he does. Um, you know, I just I have no idea. So I'm going to err on the side of caution here. I don't think we lose either way. Um, I'm going to take the 76 to 70 score, but I think Pitt wins. Uh, Saturday, next Saturday, this is a really long way away to make a prediction in, in, in this season. Uh, but let's assume that we play it. It'll be a 4 p.m. game Saturday, the 23rd. Um, I believe McGregor's fighting that night, so it would be nice to get something <laughs> going. Um, <laughs> uh, what do you see at Louisville, number 16? This is one of those ones that you talked about. We don't have many signature opportunities this year. Yeah. Can we pull off a win against Louisville? It's it's going to be tough, right? So Carlick Jones and David Johnson have been, or Carlique, I guess is how you say his name. Carlique Jones and David Johnson have been great. They, they are a very, very good backcourt. And both guys, like Carly Jones is a senior, David Johnson is a sophomore. We saw what David Johnson did to us last year. The dude is just, he's a baller, man. He comes out. He really reminds me of C.J. McCollum. 
Like they they have a very similar game, and he just he can score against who he wants to score against. And you know he's gonna come out focused against Duke. We have to we have to bring the heat on the perimeter. If if Jalen's not back for Pitt, I think he's for sure back for Louisville. So I don't need to give. I'm not gonna give two predictions for that. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Jalen's back that game. And if Jalen is back that game, we win it simply because he is our he's been. And it's not close, in my opinion, our best defender when he was on the floor. And he gives us the most versatility because he is 6'9". This is not your typical Louisville team that's going to throw a big 6'10 to 7-foot, 280-pounder at you in the lane. So we're not worried about that this year. That was what kind of killed us last season. They had those big, strong guys in the lane. This year, they don't have that. So we we are playing a a solid perimeter-oriented team. I think that plays into our hands a little bit because we – especially with Jalen back because we can match up against those guys because of that, man, this is, <laughs> uh, I, I, I need to put positive vibes out into the universe. So I'm just going to say, we win this game. We win this game. We win this game. 80 to 79 close heartbreaking type of game for them. Last second type of deal. 80 to 79 Duke over the Louisville. Well, I'm glad that you were the positive outlook kind of guy. <laughs> we have to be, man. Think, if we want to make the tournament, I, you gotta be. I, I think we get destroyed. Um, I think that you know, playing at Louisville uh, Saturday afternoon game, um, you know, they're a solid shooting team. I think we get crushed. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I think you're looking at like an 84 to 68 type of game. I really, I just. I don't see any way we can go out there and, and win that game. Um, so that's, one, <laughs> that's my The one thing I'll say about Louisville, the one thing I'll say about them is Chris Mack. Chris Mack is going to Chris Mack. I've said that for a couple of years now. If <laughs> if we if we want to win against this Louisville team, it will be at the assistance of Chris Mack because that dude, I'm telling you, he's one of the worst coaches around. They they kind of switch they switched it. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I hope he's listening. <laughs> we have to have a separate. We have to have a. We have to have a separate uh, podcast, an emergency podcast, that I don't say anything, and I just want you to go off for 10 minutes about Chris Mack. <laughs> Every year I say it, man. Like, no, we, we get you get good shots from the interior against Louisville, and we have the advantage there with Jalen and Mack. So that's that's my reason. Outside of just putting positive vibes in the air, I'm actually putting some solid analysis behind it because I think we can get those those efficient interior shots against them, and I think we will. And I think we can get them in foul trouble because they're going to have to end up switching to that zone they play. And when they do switch to that zone, it is terrible. So let's let's make that happen. So that's why I'm putting it out there, 80-79. All right. There we have it. Hopefully AC is right for once. And <laughs> let's hope that I am wrong for once. But here we go. Look, we got we got a team that needs our full support. And it can't Absolutely, be in man. person, so we gotta, gotta support them by listening to this podcast. Go on to iTunes wherever you listen to podcasts. Give us five stars. Leave a comment because that helps us. Helps us get some more sponsors like your favorite, the waste management trash can. <laughs> we we want to bring that back. AC is active on Twitter. Check us out there. Look, AC, we need to stand behind this team. We got we you, are man. ready to roll for next year, but we got to build up this year. Let's hope that you're right. Let's hope we get a couple W's. Go Duke. Go Duke. Thank you for tuning in to the Five Point Play Podcast, the number one Duke fans podcast. Check us out at Instagram at Five Point Play Podcast. That's the number Five Point Play Podcast. And on Twitter, Five Point Play Podcast. 
Go Duke! <laughs>